Welcome to the third episode of the Preacher's Corner Podcast. My name is Abraham Gomez. You can follow our, my Instagram page on the Preacher's Corner Podcast. I'm here in L.A. once again, here in Linwood to be exact. I'm inside the beautiful Greater Emmanuel Temple. Sitting across from me is a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> Pastor Nissan Stewart, currently he is a drummer for Dancing with the Stars, and also he's uh, been the drummer on um, American Idol. He is a two-time Grammy-nominated composer. He is a songwriter, producer, and a founding member of the gospel group The Soul Seekers. He has worked with the likes of Timbaland, Missy Elliott, Beyonce, yes, that Beyonce, <laughs> Miss Patti LaBelle, Busta Rhymes, and he has co-produced and co-wrote No Hay Igual for Nelly Furtado. He has worked with Men of Standard, Karen Clark Sheard, Mary Mary, and New Edition, which uh, if it is in love, why do I feel why this way? Why do I feel this way? <laughs> why does she stay on Classic. my mind? Yes, sir. He is a musical director for Jamie Foxx, Jay-Z, and Fiddy Cent, and he was also on the making of the band with um, Diddy, and I'm sure I forgot somebody. Oh, and also um, Abraham Gomez, let mm-hmm. me throw that in there. Uh, but more importantly, and, and more impressively for me, um, since 2012, he has pastored Greater Emmanuel Temple here in Linwood, California, the church founded by his late father, the Bishop Carl, uh, the late Bishop Carl Stewart. Yes, sir. You can find them on Instagram at Get Family Now, and also download the the Greater Emmanuel Temple app. The acronym is uh, Get G E T. Get the app or Get the Church. That's right. E- That's either right. or. Either or. And you can follow Pastor Nissan Stewart on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I told you this man needed no introduction. Pastor Nissan Stewart, welcome to the Preacher's Corner podcast. Man, thank you for inviting me, Abraham. I'm just honored and humbled at the same time to just be here with you on this amazing platform, what you're doing, man. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm so glad you accepted that you, to be a part of this uh, podcast. And uh, before we dive into the music part, the ministry part of your life also, mm-hmm. I, I want to know what your golf game is like and oh, how often man. do you get out on the links? Listen here. My golf game is, is in, I'm, on a, I'm on a slow grind to perfection in golf. Um, I, I shot an 85 the other day, but then I came back and shot 101. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to break into the 70s. I'm, I think it's going to happen before this year is over. Wow, he's speaking some, some truth, right? He's speaking it into existence. That's right. Got it. Now I hope I can play it into existence. <laughs> you know? oh, I, I'm still at the 120, 120 mark there. Oh, so, man. you know, hey, I, as many golf balls as I lose, I, I guess my goal is not to lose as many golf balls. You're already trying man. to break 70. Dude, I, the other, when I first started, I lost so many golf balls. I was at Walmart every day <laughs> trying to get balls. But I, I, the other day I played with this, well, let me see, I think it was three. Three balls I, I played with. I was I was shocked. So I'm doing good. I'm trying. I'm trying. Wow. And what got you playing golf? I'm going to tell you what. My friend, Pastor Mark Williams of Faith Fellowship in Corona, he was always talking about it. And I knew that in in the, my circle of uh, work, a few people talked about it. But Pastor Mark was really like, you, you need this. You're going to need it. And this was actually before I became a pastor. I was just... You know, I was a youth pastor or the youth leader at the church. Yes. And um, I went out there. I sucked. And then I came back. I came back and, you know, I, I played with some friends. And next thing you know, I, I began to fall in love with the peace of it yes. and the nature. You know, you're out there in, with nature. And, uh, and then I hit the ball straight one time. And I was like, oh, snap. And that feeling, man, it keeps you coming back. But it's good, man, and it's relaxing. You know, I love it. You're able to get that 
all that tension and anxiety out on that little that white little ball. white ball, man. I just want to see it go straight, even though I've been slicing right like crazy with this new M4 driver. But I'm fixing it. There I'm going to fix it, bro. There you go. And what is your favorite course, by the way? Uh, my favorite course that I like to play is called Oak Quarry, and it's in Europa off of the 10 freeway and uh, the 15. But I love that. Um, but I like traveling and playing. I was yes. at our, our national convention a few weeks ago and was able to squeeze some golf in um, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. It was some amazing courses. But I like that. And I loved my friend has a membership at the Wilshire Country Club. And when he feels like it, he lets me come play with him. But he's that's gorgeous, man. That's just some first-class treatment right there. Nice. That's some good friends to have. And if, as we mentioned off air, if if you need an, an extra person in your in your group there, you can always call me. I'm calling you because I don't I don't believe that 120. I think he's probably gonna shoot a, a 82 on me and then come to the 70s. Uh, I'm not gonna hustle, <laughs> Pastor Nissan Stewart. I might just let you in, just like oh, when you play, play with the president. You know, oh, you man. have to let him. Oh man. <laughs> Man. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Nissan Stewart, I read your bio, and there's some notable names on there. But my my question to you is, what keeps Nissan Stewart grounded? Man, I, I was blessed and fortunate to have some amazing parents, man. My my parents, and, and when I think of their story of their upbringing, and now that both of my parents are deceased. My mother passed in 2004 my father in 2012, and I give uh, all the credit really to them and how they raised me and my brothers and my sister. Um, you know, my dad came from, me and my brother was talking about this Sunday, um, because as things are going on in our country and, you know, being African-American, really working in a, or serving in a, uh, a minority-based community that's kind of underserved, um, I go back and I go through history and I ask questions and what my brother, I was asking him about my father and he was telling me how uh, my father, him and his brothers and his sister, they grew up very poor, like yes. very, very, very poor, like one outfit oh, wow. type of poor, like one suit, uh, not being able to iron their clothes, just wear it, put it under the mattress and let it iron out. That was the way they iron their clothes overnight or eating grease sandwiches and things of that nature. Wow. And when my father, uh, he always told us when, he, when we started getting where we can comprehend things, he, he said, you know, he was gonna work hard so that we didn't have to go through what he went through. And uh, it was like, he was like, no matter how much you attain in life or you achieve, you know, remember all glory really goes to God you yes. know, so your faith has to be strong uh, and you have to be like a tree that's planted and not be swayed either way. You know, you have uh, mishaps and things that just happen in life because life happens to everybody. Right. And that teaching and that's that was the base of his teaching, not only here in the church, but even at home. And I think that uh, that that was the reason right there. And I think my father, when when I got into, you know, my career he was worried about me and my brother but you know I had to tell him at some point you know you have to trust what you taught us and trust that it actually sticks and I'm grateful that it, it stuck with me and it sticks with me even to this day my father he just was a blessing my mother and in the way that they brought us up brought us up so I was fortunate and blessed for that I know some people don't have that um, but really my father 
he was a G. Bishop Carl Stewart was a G. That's what we like to call him, OG, because he, he was one who uh, really taught us and, and reared us up. And not just us, even young men in our sanctuary that maybe didn't have their father. Yes. It was almost like he was a surrogate father or, or adopted uh, you know, father to them. So he, I think we, we were blessed to have him around. So it's all due to his teaching and, and the guidance of my mother as well. So yes. As I was waiting in the conference room uh, for you to, to come, I was uh, had the privilege to speak with uh, Olivia, your office um, assistant there. And, mm -hmm. and I asked her, um, not about you, I actually asked her about uh, your father. How mm -hmm. was Bishop Carl Stewart? And um, she she held back some tears, and she she said he was like a father figure to her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She had been she has been here for thirty nine years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've, you know, that a lot of the a lot of our members knew me when I was born. You know, I'm forty four years old now, uh, and I think in this community, him starting a church in South Central Los Angeles. Yes. They started in South Central before they moved here to Linwood, um, which he said it was God who led him to this this city, you know. Um, there were times, you know, that, that he stepped in to kind of be that father figure to many people. So yeah. it was great. And my mother to be the mother figure as well. Yes. Um, but it's, it, it's just such a blessing to actually have that. And that's that's one of my goals, to, to take that spirit and carry it on. Because I never know as a pastor or a leader who I might have to be a father figure to, yes. figure to even though I'm young. You know, it's it's important in our communities, especially in what I would call underserved communities. You know. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Now you're a you're a accomplished musician. Um, when did you start playing drums, and when did you realize that you were actually pretty good? Well, I never knew I was pretty good. You know, I started right here in okay. this church. Okay. When we had our other church, the building that was here before this one, I remember we we marched up Imperial. We uh, were getting ready to do the ribbon cutting. And I, I remember this like it was yesterday. This is one of my few memories as a young man. They cut the ribbon, opened the church, opened the door. It was a red, sparkly drum set over here. And I was like, man, that thing it was <laughs> like it was glowing. So Call, that's when I got, your name. it was calling my name, man. So I, you know, I was blessed to sit around here and, uh, I had older guys and my brother-in-law as well playing. And then I, I played and I practiced. And then I, I knew it was something when I would get a few calls to come play places or we go to various churches. Um, and then, you know, that wasn't my plan to be a, a musician professionally, but it just happened. Wow. You know, and uh, um, by the way, you can pick up um, Pastor Nissan Stewart's um, Vader signature drumsticks oh, yeah. online. They're, they're five Bs. I looked them up, by the way. I yeah, yeah, five. They, they're five Bs, but now now I play the new the new five five BBs. There you go. They're really really good sticks. But Vader is my my drumstick company for life. So yeah. if you need some drumsticks and you want Pastor Nissan Stewart's signature, you can get some online or at your local music store. In fact, my next guest is also going to be a a drummer. Uh, okay. The first guest was a drummer. You're a drummer. I. I, I attempt to play drums. I probably you can probably do more with one hand oh, that I can man. do with 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 all my with my my hands and my feet. Not but, me. <laughs> uh, our, our drummers. I guess we like being on stage or something. We like to, we like to be uh, uh, somehow it just translate from musician to <clears throat> ministry. 
I think I think that the Lord calls drummers <laughs> to, to, to you know I think we we understand the rhythm of ministry uh, you know yeah it's just a great thing man yeah. you never know how the Lord will call you I I read somewhere uh, that Timberland Timberland heard you playing in church and liked what he heard and asked you to play uh, a gig for him so sometimes you never know who's going to show up in church uh, tell me about that experience. well technically technically it was my good friend produce grammy producer and songwriter his name is shep crawford okay and so we had a concert here in this church yes and at the time my brother was uh working with montel jordan and shep crawford was the musical director they came they happened to come one weekend we had a concert here and he was like, hey, you guys want to play Timbaland? Uh, has to do this television show. And, you know, can you guys do it? Because I think he had a conflict with his schedule. So long story short, we went and did that show. It was the Keenan Ivory Wayne show oh, back, yeah. way back then. And so we played and did that show with Tim. And Tim was like, hey, you guys free uh, this weekend to come do a show? And we was like, yeah. So it was like, can you learn? Uh, it was like 20-something songs we learned. Wow. Because we were preparing for, it was an award show going out here, and they had a special concert. And it was Aaliyah and Genuine Player, a few other people, Missy Elliott. And we did that show, and Tim, at that point, Tim was like, yeah, I'm not doing the show without the band. So we, that's how we connected with Tim, who was a great guy, man, one of the greatest producers and creators of music in the game still. Yes. You know? And doors began to open up for you. Tell yes, me what sir. happened after that. What it, what your career took off? Yeah. So while that was going on, what happened? My brother Rapture, uh, who was one of my favorite, is one of my favorite producers. He started doing records. And one day, I tell you, it's like like this. We were both living at home with our parents. And one day, Rapture came and knocked on my door, and he had got a check in the mail. He said, "Look, look." <laughs> And it was for one of his first songs. I think it was like $20,000. I was like, oh, yeah, let me go buy me a drum machine. I'm going to learn that, too. So, you know, I, I was able to sit and, and watch him and his production partner, my friend Eric Seats, you know, watch them. And they, I was inspired by them, as well as one of my best friends, Warren Campbell, yes. who was a pastor as well. So yes. he, Warren, was doing his thing in Rapture. And I said, let me do that, too. You know, after watching Timbaland do it in the studio, uh, I, you know, I was inspired to go and be a creator. And then, you know, at that point, uh, connecting with Missy Elliott, who was a songwriter, and Missy as friends. And, and we all, you know, everybody had a background from church. That's what made it amazing wow. with Missy and her yes. mother and Timlin and his, you know, his family and his everybody. So we got along really good in the creative space. And from there, you know, I was blessed to really work with Missy. Missy, uh called me and my friend Craig Brockman, who we've done a lot of records together over the years. And with Missy would call, and that's how I was able to work with Beyonce through Missy and from Britney Spears, and then Timbaland would call, and that's how we worked with Nelly Furtado and other artists. And then uh, out of the blue one night, I got a call from P. Diddy, out of the blue. Just, I don't even, I, I, you know, my buddy Mike Evans called me, and I just, I had given him a, him a CD of some music of mine to just check out. And he said, he called me one night and said, hey, man, I, somebody want to talk to you. And I said, who? He put him on the phone and did. He was like, yo, yo, you know. I was like, what's up? He was like, man, what is this you're doing, man? This is crazy music. It's amazing. This was about 1 in the morning he called me. He was like, uh, you sign anybody? I said, no. He said, uh, well, I want to want to talk to you about your music. Can you come to New York? I said, sure, when? He said, the, the plane leaves at 7 o'clock. Wow. And then 7 a.m., me and my production partner at the time, Dante, we got on the plane. We went to New York, and then, you know, from that point, I think then 
how my father raised me kicked in because it was all about uh, relationships right. and just meeting people and being good and doing good work. So, And, and what was his um, reaction or disposition when those people started seeking out his son and going out into you know, the secular world, was there any oh, yeah. apprehension? Plenty. At first it was like, uh, you know, he didn't really know that there could be a career. He didn't really really fathom the career in music as a drummer. Right. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, there's many people that, that go after that and they don't really make it. But I was pretty persistent. My father's upbringing, that, that's where that drive came from. So I wanted to be good at my craft. I wanted to make uh, relationships. I wanted to network. And as it happened, my dad, he was like, ah, oh, you know, you're getting in a secular world. And they have their view of it. And so, you know, again, that's when I was like, you know, you're going to have to trust what you taught me. And it's up to me whether or not I'm going to live the life of Christ or not. And it, it, it came down to making a personal decision. But then once he saw it and we began to be successful, he, you know, he was very lenient and he understood. And he probably got a lot of flack from his friends, other pastors and stuff. Yes. But at the end of the day, he's like, that's my son, <laughs> you know. And I think he, he realized and he saw that even when you were doing all these things, traveling the world, you never changed. You still stayed the same. Like you said, you kept everything that he taught you and you made that personal decision. So I think that made him a little more comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I believe he had to he had to experience it to understand experience me in it to understand it. But then then he, he was very happy. I think my, when my dad would see us on TV, my dad and my mom, he would really be just overjoyed. He would call and say, I saw you on TV last night. You know, <laughs> you did a good job. You know, all of that stuff. So it was good, man. Your mom said, smile more. You need to smile more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm praying for you. My mother was the <laughs> prayer warrior. She, yes. she called, and then we would have, there was one particular situation, uh, artist I was working with was going through something. It was big on the news, and, and my mother was like, let me pray for him. Let me talk to him. Yeah. I pray for him. So it was like that, you know, to pray him through the situation. So it was, it was different. Uh, and, you know, a lot of, you know, in the church, you know, we're very judgmental. Yes. And I think it was kind of, me, I looked at it more as uh, similar, being similar to Jesus, you know, when he dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when he went and, you know, was kicking it with people that wasn't the popular or the familiar ones. Yes. Um, so, you know, and, and to that point, my mother, you know, when she was six, she was like, yeah, you keep doing what you're doing because you're going to be able to reach people or be connected to people that uh, others can't you be able to get the gospel to them or be able to live the life in front of them you know that maybe others wouldn't so yes. you know and, and not that I was perfect in every way but I, I, I took that with me and yes. I think all of that made has made me the man that I am today and, and looking at it from from my point of view just as you're describing it it's almost as if God was and you didn't know this yourself that God was uh, preparing you as like you were the traveling pastor yeah like preparing you for where we're at now yeah yeah right right now and as you know um it's a very trouble troubling time yes. just in life um and i think some pastors sometimes we're so stuck within the four walls and stuck with ministering how we minister which is for some it's a form of entertainment or you know but really this is a this is a get your hands dirty type of job this is a, you know, you're, you're, you're called to situations uh, at odd times. This is a situation where you have to deal with those that are really suffering from, from stuff that we may not even relate to. Yes. Um, so we have to have the sensitivity and compassion to 
to even minister to those. And I think for me, the main thing was uh, just having a broad look on life and understanding it as I read the word of God um, and had communion personally with God just to understand things. I think it's helping me. It's yet still, even to this day, helping me to be a pastor that can actually go out into the Jordan Downs and sit and talk with somebody or go to um, Fifth Street where the homeless are and sit yes. and talk to them. Even though I didn't ex have not experienced uh, being homeless, uh, you know, you can have the compassion to sit and talk with people and just be regular. Some people just want to just sit down and talk, man. Yes. And I think we have to, that, that's part of ministry, so. And this is, uh, once again, one of the other reasons why I started this um this podcast mm -hmm. it, it, it's a different forum you yeah. know instead of just preaching in you know um on a sunday and, mm -hmm. and you know getting everybody excited which is which is good which is part of of delivering a message but also talking has sometimes made the most difference in somebody's life man you you know what's crazy about that i was just telling my church uh a couple of weeks ago that god convicted me because here you know, we have a beautiful church. We have a nice facility, and we're working on it to even beautify it even better. But the Lord convicted me, I think, to to pull me into uh, community efforts. Yes. And, our, and he convicted me in terms of, yeah, we have service on Sunday. Yeah, we have Bible study on Wednesday. But what are we doing with the facility the rest of the time? So now we have to establish things. That's our Monday through Saturday game has to be just more as more important as the Sunday morning game. You know what I mean? Yes. So we have to put efforts, and I'm trying to just galvanize the troops and bringing the people to get our minds. So we have to be creative to come up with things because people need help daily. Yes. You know, and they need to be ministered to daily. And it's not the traditional form of ministry always. So. You know, it's just developing those things. And I think, you know, I'm excited about this season uh, that we're in because it challenges all of us in ministry. So uh, it's a critical time. We got to do it while people are turning their back on the church because a lot of things, that, a lot of things that the church has done or preachers have done and how maybe people have treated people from this position. I think now there's going to be a, it's like with the, throw out the net again and we're going to win souls to Christ and win souls back to Christ. Right. In fact, uh, what, talking about uh, bringing the souls back to, to, to Christ and mm -hmm. you, you know, you're, you're a very uh, well-known um, person um, and I'm sure that attracts, that gets them in the door. Yeah. But your gift, as you begin to minister, it opens it up to, yeah. it, wow, God drew me for something even deeper. And that's awesome that you want to make an impact on the, on the community. Um, how do you balance um, playing drums for the secular world, pastoring? Uh, being a family man, you're married with, I think, three three kids, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and being being able to minister at church and like to the I know the religious folks who can say, why are you out doing yeah playing yeah. with Diddy and yeah yeah yeah. Well, me, I'm I'm in a transition. I'm in a transition, uh, and I've been into a slow transition. In in the change of what I do in music, yes. so I don't really I like I don't tour like I used to. Um, I do do Dancing with the Stars, which I always tell people, God gave me that. Because <laughs> when I first accepted the, the call to assume the pastorate, I was like, okay, Lord, how am I gonna, you know, take care of my, you know, because I'm used to doing this and used to making this. And, yes. and it's very interesting, a couple months into me pastoring is when I got a call about Dancing with the Stars. And, and when I, I, I had already turned down like three tours, 
because I knew I needed to be here because it was fresh. When I became the, when I was called to the pastorate and I assumed the pastorate, I was installed February uh, 18th or 19th, February 18th, no, February 19th, 2012. My father, who was healthy, passed March 30th, 2012. Wow. So right after that, so there was no way I could just be gone. Right. You know, because I, I, if my dad was alive, I'd be like, well, dad, I got to go here. Can you minister? So forth and so on. But it wasn't that. So I had turned down a lot of stuff, and then I got that call for Dancing with the Stars. So, you know, and, and I still today work in certain, uh, certain areas in the music. I balance it because I control my schedule. You know, a lot of times what, I'm do, what I do, you know, being not just a drummer but a musical director, I hire musicians. Yes. Like, there's a tour that I'm getting ready to go to New York this weekend to rehearse uh, for about six days and check out the first show, um, a big symphonic uh, tour uh, with orchestras. So I just hired the band, I hired my friends. I'm able to put some money in my friends' pockets, uh, hire them, and just make sure it's right and I go. But when I do do th- certain things, um, I just balance it. I'm, I make it work. And if it doesn't work, I can't do it, you know. And what about the people that say, why are you, as a pastor, playing out in the the religious folks say in the world yeah 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 you know i don't usually get that as much as i like as much as i used to i used to i but i know there's some that look it and think right. it but i think maybe because i'm 6'6 six, six and <laughs> 285 pounds you know that i don't really get challenged in that area but there's some that talk and i really like to just uh you know tell them that i'm not i'm not called to be a minister like them i have an assignment over here, and if they don't like it, they they can talk it up with God, or you know. But they, you know, I've learned to be confident in what I do, yes. and uh, I don't have no issues with it. I just I just do the work and keep it rolling, you know. What was the funnest or most uh, rewarding musical event that you were a part of? <sighs> wow, I would say. Oh, this is this is a personal one. We, um, uh, I work with Jamie Fox. Yes, and so I'm Jamie's musical director, and we was on tour, and we played Microsoft Theater. We ended the tour in Los Angeles, and since we were in LA, I got my Kobe jersey, <laughs> and I hung it on my drums, like on the cymbal stands. I didn't know Kobe was in the audience. Oh wow! He came back to the dressing room. That was the illest moment right there. He came back and said, yo, I seen it. And that picture is hanging up at the Microsoft now. Black Mamba was in the audience. The Mamba, the legend. Yep. So that was fun. Who's your uh, biggest musical impact? My biggest musical uh, impact or influence, man, there's so many, man. I, I really, as a drummer, my favorite drummer, who is now my good friend, my friend, Mr. Vinny Caliuta, mm. is uh, my man. You know, he played with with Sting. Uh, just amazing. But, you know, I like, um, I have so many friends that are great, great musicians, and I really enjoy them. It's so many now, and we, we get to see them with social media being like it is. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was just uh, talking uh, to my man Jamal Moore last night, I saw him do something on the drums playing with Ariana Grande. I had to text him like, like I was I was in the middle of 
you know, closing my Bible study preparation. And then I looked on social media and seen him. I had to text him. I think it was probably four in the morning where he was at. But like people like him, man, Aaron Spears, and but as far as bands, I'm a I'm a '80s and '90s guy. Mm. So I'm a and even before that '70s. So I'm a, I, like, I like Marvin Gaye. I like I like uh, Steely Dan. But I really love the Police. Yes, the Police is is my all time and Sting. Those, those that's my all time favorite. But in the gospel world, it's hands down Commission was my favorite group. Commission was my absolute favorite group. Fred Hammond, uh, Michael Brooks, Mitch Jones, Carl Reed, all them guys. One of the Commission songs that I remember, Will You Be Ready? Oh yeah. When Jesus Calls. Fred Hammond, Fred Hammond wrote that. Man. Yeah, they and hey, cross. let's cross our fingers. They might be doing something real soon. Crossing our fingers. Hopefully it might be here at the Gregory hey, Manual. Absolutely, man, <laughs> absolutely. Bishop Carl Stewart, your late father, founded mm -hmm. this church. Yes, sir. What a beautiful building that we're sitting in. Describe to me, growing up as a PK, a pastor's kid, and all the scrutiny you experienced with your father being the pastor and all eyes on you. Oh, man. I, my, my dad was so protective of us. He, you know, he would tell everybody, don't get mad because I drive a nice car, because my kids ride in the nice cars because the dad works hard, to, you know. He was so protective. It was, don't, you know, don't get mad at my kids. That's, they, I'm the pastor. They're just my kids. And he, he tried to protect us from much of the scrutiny. But you know what they say. They say the preacher's kids are the worst. They say we're the worst. They might be right. <laughs> they may be right. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it didn't really bother me. Um, I knew, like my father again, with his his upbringing, I knew he loved us. Him and my mother, they loved us. We weren't the lovey-dovey type of family, but we knew it was it was just an unspoken "I love you" every day. Yes, you know. And some may say that's bad, but I I felt the love, and I knew knew it without a shadow of a doubt. He took care of us, and we were able to take care of him when he got older. So the scrutiny, you know, I never really paid that much attention to it. You know, I was taught as a young man to just do you be who you are and i'm happy i'm the happiest nissan there is yes there was you know i've always been that and uh in spite of what everybody else might think it doesn't really matter you know i i set the tone for my life yes. and that's the that's what uh that's what i grew up thinking and grew up living and and i'm you know i'm, I'm just confident in who i am you know it's interesting that you say that be uh be you be who you are and if if those that have been following the Preacher's Corner podcast, that's been like the underlying theme. Um, Rev Herrera, that was one of the last things that he mentioned when he closed out his um, his episode was, be you. We talked to Edwin Perry, um, and he's same thing. Now, now you're saying, it, are we trying to be like others? Are we trying to compare ourselves? Is holding it back? What, what's, what's happening? Well, this, I think the state of society today is very – interesting because now with social media being so huge and you know within humanity now I think everybody's trying to compete with somebody else whether it's in look whether it's in getting surgeries and plastic surgeries to be somebody else whether it's in singing and try to trying to sing like everybody else or playing the music trying to play like everybody else preaching trying to preach like everybody yes. else um, you, if if you don't if you get to a place where you're confident in your own style that you have, you'll never be happy. 
And so for me, I, I know, like I come from, you know, holiness Pentecostal churches where guys preach and they preach and they, yes. and they, you know, and that's their style. It's not me. I'd be a fool to try to be like somebody else, knowing that that's not me. And I'm not saying that I don't ever get excited, but my father had to tell me because I was like, when I first accepted the call of the ministry in 2004, I was like, man, but I don't preach like y'all, so I don't know how this is going to go. He said, listen, you just be you and let God use you. He's not going to use somebody else through you. He's going to use you. And I took that. And like those again, those that goes back to my upbringing, and those jewels that were given to me. It makes me okay. I could sit in the room with other great, 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 great preachers, and I have friends who are some of the most amazing preachers on the planet, and I love them for what they do, um, and I celebrate what they do. I don't feel no ways because I don't do what they do at their level. I'm happy with who I am, and it didn't just happen with. I was the same way on the drums because I'm not the greatest drummer. But I was one, you know, and I'm still one that gets certain big calls. Uh, I'm confident in what I do, and that's it. I, I, you know, God uh, has rewarded me with me. You know, he didn't reward me with anybody else. So uh, for preachers, we have to be who we are. With the epidemic of social media, trying to be like and trying to talk like everybody else, that, that's corny when you're trying to mimic somebody else. Just be who you are. So, okay, so we're talking about preachers. In, in your mind, what makes a good preacher? A good preacher is someone who can really grab the attention mm -hmm. of the listener. A good teacher is one who can really bring the practicality out of the word. You know what I'm saying? B connecting the, the listener to the word, but you do it in such a practical way where we can relate. Some preachers don't relate to what's going on outside. That's why they only will win the church people, the church individuals. Uh, you won't really reach those that are outside the walls because, you know, we just stick with this particular style. Um, I think a good preacher, uh, you know, at the end of service, somebody that never even would think to go to church, like, I understood that, I felt that. You know, we can get into, you know, most of us, many preach from the King James Version. Uh, the, the, the verbiage or, or is not what we speak today, you know. So some preachers preach that style. And, you know, it works for them. But I think at the end of the day, um, you're a great preacher when you really can reach those who've never even experienced church as, as we know it. Yes. That's, that's a great preacher to me. That's awesome. How did you know you were called to the ministry, and when did you accept the call of God on your life? Technically, uh, and to be exact, um, I knew just as a teenager growing up, that there was a call, I didn't know what it was. I could have been called to be the the trash man of the church, the deacon, whatever, but um, specifically in 2004, I accepted the call to the ministry on an airplane ride from Miami to Los Angeles. My mother was sick. Um, I was bargaining with the Lord on the plane, Lord Hiller, and I preached the gospel, and the Lord told me, you're gonna preach it anyway. And I said, okay on an airplane ride, sitting there in tears. Uh, I know that the person sitting next to me was like, this guy's sitting, I'm crying, I'm looking out the window, because I'm thinking about my mother, right. she, was, she was sick, uh, but that's what that conversation was, and I said, okay, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it, and the interesting thing is, the very first thing uh, 
that happened when I decide to do something, I kind of prepare. I'm, I'm kind right. of wired that way. Yes. Like when, before I got into golf, there's a couple of books. I said, let me get these books. Let me read about <laughs> the game, right? So what I did was when I, when I came home, my mother, and then my mother shortly passed after that, um, I went to the store. I went to Barnes & Noble looking for books just to read. And um, I was looking for, at the time, I was looking for The Purpose Driven uh, Life. Uh, Rick Warren. Rick Warren. I was looking for that book because I wanted to read it because I heard about it. And I, you know, I said I was going to read it. But they didn't have it. But they did have The Purpose Driven Church, what mm-hmm. I, which I didn't know about. And so I said, oh, I'm not going to get that. And something told me, get that book. And that book helped me set the trajectory of what my ministry and my thought process on ministering as a pastor would be. I didn't know at the time I was going to be a pastor, but I read it. And, I, you know, and what's ironic is, excuse me, what was, what's ironic is last week I just taught um, uh, a class over there with their worship team and their musicians. Wow. I was called. So I didn't, you know, I, I at, love that. At ministry. Saddleback. Church. At Saddleback at the main campus and taught like the musicians and uh, some of the worship team from uh, all of their campuses came in and they called me and I was, I was like, wow, I can't believe this, you know. Wow. And, and I think that everyone that enters into ministry at some point, they have that almost like a, that Paul Damascus road or, or like a crossroads or it's, it's, it's now or never, you're going to cross the line or not. So what do you say to those that are, are like on the brink of, Am I going to do this or not? Am I, should I, you know, with nervousness or fear? What, what would you say to someone? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I believe that you're going to have to deal with it one way or another. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we consider Jonah. You consider others in the Bible that was called to a specific thing. I would say that the best thing you can do in preparing yourself for it is to just get around people that have gone through it and sit and talk and have those conversations. Nothing about ministry is easy. No. Nothing about it is easy. But when you can have people that you can talk to and talk through the process and figuring out what your ministry will be, and I think God will reveal that to you after you put the time in to, you know, to work and prepare yourself. I think God will reveal the trajectory that you need to go on. Um, so it's really about the people in your circle. It's about reading. It's about studying. It's about taking drives and looking into the world and seeing what's happening in the streets, seeing what's happening in politics and in our communities. And even uh, those uh, from their whose cultures are having challenges even in this time, kind of understanding it. That and because that's what we have to deal with that as ministers. A lot of people want to just have church and make sure the music is good and run right. out. But no, we got to know what's happening out there to serve them because they're not just gonna come in in our churches. So um, I think as you do that, and it it help you settle into the position that God is calling you to. And, and I think what gets lost in in all of this, um, you know, people get preoccupied like. I'm going to preach or teach, but ministry is actually having a burden for, for people. And I mm-hmm. think that that gets lost. And like, like you said, you, you'll deal with it, uh, you know, at one time or another. And, and at some point you're going to have to, Lord, you're going to have to work on my heart to oh, have yeah. a love for people. As you're talking about going to fifth street and yeah. talking to the homeless. I mean, who does that? You don't see even, even social programs doing that. Right. It, well, the first thing is if you don't love people, <laughs> this is not for you. Because, you know, you have to love people.
people. Yes. You have to be able to get along with people. You have to be able to talk and reason with people. Yeah, maintain your foundation, but you have to, you know, be sensitive to human beings to do this. Yes. Because, you know, if you if we follow the master teacher, the master preacher, it was Jesus. He was sensitive to humanity and that's how he was successful in every encounter he had, you know. So I think we have to uh, take on that as preachers in this time, in this day and age. You know, there's a lot of arrogance that, that preachers have. There's a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, they feel so good about themselves because they are able to woo the crowd and all of that. But if you don't love people genuinely, you will not succeed in ministry. And furthermore, God will not be pleased if, if we uh, do not love people. You cannot sit here and have problems with everybody, you know. And, I, and it's okay for a pastor or a preacher or a teacher to hit the reset button on their life. Hit the reset button and, you know, get back. Because you got to recalibrate yourself to yes. make sure that you are loving God's people. That's why we do this. I get up every morning. I come down here. I, I was telling them in Bible study today, I came down here on Monday. I just was at church all day and out late Saturday celebrating one of our members. But I came here. Sometimes I just got to walk around. And just get the spirit of, you know, uh, uh, of what Jesus is desiring for this time, so yes. that we can be effective in our community. So um, you gotta love the, you gotta love the people. You gotta love people. What a good word. That's Pastor Nissan Stewart. You need to get out to Greater Emmanuel Temple and hear a word. That that was great. And I, as I, I downloaded the app, and I heard I heard about a, a four or five of your of your uh, messages. Um, mm. I heard. Um, Tap in. I, I really enjoyed that one. Puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, exposing the motives. The conflict of being chosen. So pl please download the app. These, these messages will bless your life. But there's one that particular that stood out to me. And uh, we're going to talk about this for a little bit. Mental health. Yes. And, and how the church um, sometimes brush, uh, brushes it under the rug. And, you know, the, the pastor here in the local area, which you can, you can uh, allude to here in a little bit, that um, just... Uh, took his life as yes. a pastor. Yes, yes. Yeah, this that was uh, some horrific news in hearing about it. The, the interesting thing is, Ellen Hills Church is, is less than two miles from my house. Yes. And, uh, you know, I drive by that beautiful church, beautiful facility, and, uh, and I would always say that I was gonna go there. Um, and one of my friends played the drums there. Mm -hmm. And um, to hear the news that the pastor took his life because of the challenges that he was going through mentally was just heartbreaking really heartbreaking because of the, the three boys and the, you know the wife and, and the church now who is grieving because I understand what it is to ha to be a part of a grieving church and to grieve under those circumstances are really tough I'd say that okay since we're going to talk about preachers preachers need to make sure that they can do whatever they can they, they do whatever they can to really find balance in their life um, because this job is not an easy job. I think it's one of the, the toughest jobs, one of the toughest mental jobs that exist. Um, so, and so to get to the place where you're functioning correctly, um, not only to serve the people, but to even serve your household and serve yourself, yes. you have to have balance in your life. Um, the enemy will use, and I, I'm one that I, I believe that depression is born uh, from the enemy. That's what I believe. 
Um, and I believe that we have to understand. I, I really use John 10 and 10 when the Bible tells us that Jesus is teaching that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you might have life. And I think life is a choice, right? And we all know that life is a choice. I can, I can walk out in the middle of the street right now and, uh, you know, something bad will happen or whatever situation may be. But I have to, first of all, I have to understand, we have to understand the sensitivity of depression. And even if we, even though we may not have experienced it, we have to be sensitive to those who are experiencing it. But I do know that the ultimate healer for it is Jesus Christ. That's just what I believe yes. in my heart. I really believe that. I think the enemy plays mind tricks on us and it leads us into a depressive state when we have the best gift that has been given to us. Like nothing can compete with the Holy Spirit. Nothing can compete with the relationship with God. But the enemy somehow finds a way and, and you know, he's good at it. He, you know, we have flesh. Preachers yes. made of flesh. We have issues. We have a mind. When we're trying to do things, sometimes dealing with the uh, patience or dealing with success or not having it or finances, whatever it may be, we have to be account. You have to have people that you're accountable to. You have to have people that can talk to you and encourage you. You have to have real friends, uh, whether they're in church or not, that can be honest with you. And uh, every preacher, no preacher should be to the point where they can't be taught. Yes. Preachers need to be taught to. They need to, you know, they need to invest in, them, in themselves uh, to go and make sure they connect with maybe conferences, the right conferences, yes. you know, not just a conference where you just go to have church and you didn't come home with anything, but go where you can really share and you can also receive. Um, and that's the, that's will bring the balance that's necessary for us in our mind, but not just preachers, but individuals dealing with depression. The enemy has us so confused. He has us confused, and uh, uh, it's like the age of confusion. We can have God, but then we f somehow we feel we don't have enough. And I think that's rooted in the enemy. That's why we have to teach faith and teach about building our faith and teaching about growing and maturing in God. Because just because you receive him, uh, it doesn't stop there. You have to constantly be working to improve and grow uh, uh, in your mind and in your relationship uh, with him and I think then things will start to settle and you'll yes. begin to be okay and anxiety when you get to a certain uh, space with God anxiety has to go yes because you know it can't occupy the same space with God right. depression will have to go it can't occupy the same space with God that's my theory so we as human beings have to manage that it's our responsibility and the church has to do a better job of teaching it because you know back in the day be like, oh let's pray for him let's just pray for him let him go on no sometimes it, it takes more than that prayer of course is the root of our communication with God but we have to spend time that's when we can love people we have to love people back in and so you know when you see somebody that's going through something don't just you know and you're okay don't you know Stop and say a prayer with them. Sometimes it's just giving somebody a hug. Yes. Sometimes it's just checking on somebody. How you doing, man? I'm just thinking about you. Let's let's go get some ice cream or whatever it is. You know, those are the type of things that we have to be cognizant of in this day and age so that we can actually reach those and help those who need the help uh, that God is trying to offer. And, and, you know, it's it's hard to fathom. It's hard to understand what that person is going through but it's, it's like that spirit of depression yeah. locks you in your thoughts yeah, yeah and 
and it's you can't you feel like you can't speak to anybody you're you're too embarrassed or what are they going to think of me and as pastors they need to find someone that they can just open up to and what what is it pride that what what is it that people don't want to reach out or open open well i think it's a few things i think some preachers preach from a standpoint of i'm here and you all are there Mm. me what i try to do i'm i let it be known i'm in this with you like we have situations and i think when you can speak from that particular place of reality it'll make it easier or it makes it'll make it where it's comfortable for somebody to come and say hey pastor you know i just want to talk to you yes but you know in this day and age i think as i look at new ministries and certain pastors they do a good job of positioning themselves to where they're reachable and i think yes. that every minister like you cannot get too big where you're not reachable because i jesus was not that big from what i understand that he was not reachable the disciples tried to protect him hey, hold up but he's like no come on i need to you know and this is what we're supposed let, to be let the for. children come to me don't yeah. yeah and i think that's what it has to be so i think the approach in which we preach in which we deliver the word of god has to be right now from a place where it's like you know, it, it, it's almost like sometimes I wish you could. If I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't build a church like this. Okay. I may be radical enough to say we're meeting at the beach. Mm. We having beach service. That's awesome. It'd be awesome not only for the for the view of the water and the sun, but but it puts us in a comfortable place where we can sit and talk and be real, because we know God is not the God of just these four walls. You know. Um, you have to make it, you know, again, we put all these positions and all these titles and things come up and all the hierarchy and that creates such a separation yes. between the, the the lay member or an individual and the leader of the church. No, you have to get out there. You have to be real. You have to um, teach. And, and then you have to teach that to your team, Yes. you know, so that. Uh, uh, you know that you all can, so that you all can work together to actually do what I call Christ ministry. Oh, that's great, and and going to the beach, I'll, I'll join that church anytime. Come on, man. Hey, I'm listen. I, I'm telling you, there's so many radical things I've been <laughs> thinking just to really just try. Because at the end of the day, it's about the people. It's yes. if it's, it's not about nothing else. So how can how can we meet them where they are? Yes. You know, this is great, and we thank God for everything that he's given us, but there is more. That's why certain, I'm a student of ministry. That Another thing as a pastor, you got to be a student of good ministries. Like I talked about Pastor Rick Warren. I think, man, they're doing such an amazing job yes. at Saddleback. Uh, and there's other churches that are doing such amazing jobs in the community. Like I know you have my good friend Edwin Perry yes. the other week, but what Bishop Noel Jones is doing is just just to change the traje- trajectory of ministry for this time, even in our underserved communities such as South Central LA and all the surrounding areas. You know, we talk about that. We were just together the other night talking about it. I got to have a meeting with him tonight because we want to figure out something to establish within the community that people can come at any given time. And they, you know, where it's cool for our young people, where you have young people that are turning to so many, all these new drugs. It's like there's a new drug yeah. every, you know, there's a new high and they're using anything to get high. And then, you know, all of the, the things that's happening with the gang violence and all of these groups that don't mean really uh, no good to the end of a human being. Uh, you know, we have to do this. So good ministries, 
uh, are, are valuable, and that's what we want to build, man. That's yes. that's what I want to do. I want to leave a legacy to to say that man really cared about the people, and God was pleased. That's that's what I want to do. That's great, Pastor Nissan. And you're talking about you, you you need to teach your team. So, from a pastor's point of view, what are what are the I'd call it the top three things you look for in a minister that serve under you. Uh, their their ability to serve, how the, the spirit in which they serve, I'll say that, the spirit in which they serve, because the ability can come, but what's the spirit in which they serve? Yes. Um, number two, their ability to connect with people, mm-hmm. and then number three, their level of faithfulness. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how they serve, the spirit in which they serve, uh, the, the ability to connect with people, um, those those are the things that matter to me, man. Because if you can't connect with people, you know, you're in the way. You got to move. Right. You know. That's a great point. Uh, great three points. Your 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 father uh, built this amazing facility here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel the pressure to be compared to your your father? Perhaps maybe in the way you preach or the way you lead the church. Um. No, I think that that tried to come upon me in my early years of ministry, but again. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. One, this is the personal theory. I, I really love to sleep at night, right? <laughs> when I lay down, I just like to let leave everything where it is and just go to sleep. I don't, I don't like to owe nobody no money. Yes. I, I don't like to have no beef with nobody. You know, I, you know, my my thing is I want to sleep. So for myself, I, I like to know that I did my best. Yes. And when I know I did my best, I sleep the best. So, you know. My dad told me, you, you got to be you, so I'm okay with it. There, there's been some that, you know, in churches that we come from, uh, I think there's a, there's a perception, just being honest, that Bishop Stewart left this church with a lot of money. Now, my, my father was really good with money and ministry in terms of uh, being able to help the people and providing the facility and so forth and so on, but it wasn't like that when he passed, you know, so... Um, they think it's easy, and this, you know, over a million dollar renovation that we we're doing on this property, um, and we're not we don't have a bunch of millionaires in our church, right? You know, so again, for me, I think the people, they were, uh, you know, a lot of people have been there. This church is 50, 53 years old next month, wow. and a lot of people have been there since the beginning, some forty years, uh, thirty, and they just they love their church, and. I knew when I took over the ministry, they didn't want to see it mess up, mm. So, which is understandable. So me understanding legacy and understanding what ministry is as a whole, not just the identity of Grady Emanuel, but what ministry is as a whole, I knew coming in what I was going to do because I take care of business. I really believe in taking care of people, taking care of the business. That way you can sleep at night, and I like to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you can never get enough sleep. Can't get enough, man. How do you prepare to preach? How do you get your mind right, your spirit? What what does Nissan Stewart do to get ready to speak a word, deliver a message to the church? Well, my my preparation process is, it, it never really turns off. You know, I try to sit and or even if it's driving, thank God for the iPhone now. You can, yes. I, I use my phone a lot. I have thousands of notes and things that come to me, and I write them down. And uh, even as I'm getting through, um, getting prepared for 
a particular week. Um, God gives me something, and sometimes it's in a series form. Sometimes it's uh, just in a preparation to continue from the last week, and it'll kind of keep me going. So I'll begin, I will begin to write notes and go to Scripture and study. And I also drive around. I drive around. Me being in music, it's I, funny. I don't drive around listening to music. I have the. I drive a lot. Yes. I drive a lot. <laughs> That's another story. You could listen day. to the Preacher's Corner podcast. Oh while you're yeah, all day. I'll be driving, <laughs> listening to the preachers. I probably can get through two or three of them, three episodes. You know the way I drive in a day. But um, I, 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 I think a lot. I look at. I look at what's going on, yes. and I see to how. Uh, the scripture or the text or whatever uh, has been given to me, I believe from God, how it can relate to those out there. And I'll, and I'll sit and reflect and write. And then I'll come together and put all the things that I've written together and just, you know, I'm a manuscript preacher. I'm not a, I can just preach off the top of my head. I write it out. Uh, and then I let the Lord lead me, of course, when I'm preaching. But that's my preparation process. I like right. to get my mind right for whatever. I, I always ask God to help me say something that can help somebody. I know there's somebody that needs something from you. I may not know exactly what it is, but yes. give it to me. And I think at first, when I first started, I was like, you know, again, with me not being the, uh, the preacher that really is, uh, what their character is really exciting when they preach. Like fire um, brimstone. Fire, yeah, like the, you know, shaking the mic and tuning up. Being that that's not how I do. At first I was like, man, I'm not reaching nobody. <laughs> I would teach and just, we, and then I'm preaching. All right, let's get ready to go home. And then it wasn't until I would get texts, like, and people would catch me, man, like, you don't even know how you just helped me. And then I begin to be comfortable with it. So I'm, God. I, I constantly, you know, I'm thinking about where we're at in society and what God will have for society, you know, and what what people need to hear. And I ask him to give it to me because, I, you know, again, I'm not the gifted preacher. I like to say that in terms of I can just, you know, I've been preaching since I was two, and I can just, I don't even need a Bible. I can get up. That's not me. Um, but I ask God constantly, like, work on my mind, give it to me, feed it to me. Amen. And that's, that's, in my, that's in my constant prayer yes. daily. And I get stuff daily. Amen. You know? And and I've listening to your messages, um, you're very eloquent. You're very relatable, and I think that that's what as preachers, ministers, we need to be is relatable. You said you're you're a regular dude. You know you're in this just alongside them. You don't. Um, there's no pecking order. You know, right. Pastor Nissan and then the rest right. of the congregation, and you you can appreciate that. I think yeah. one of the things I appreciate about. Um, Bishop Noel Jones, he uh, is that he's very transparent for yeah. a man of his stature. Yeah, very transparent. In fact, one time he, I don't know if you, if you heard this message where he talked about, I, I had a Judas moment. Yeah. I almost had a Judas moment where we could mm-hmm. have traded everything that God had given us for thirty pieces, something very yeah. minute that mm-hmm. didn't even compare what what uh, what God is going to give us. And those kind of things, uh, those type of messages, we need just to to be able to relate to to each other. Yes. It yes. brings it home for us and we yes. can th- then that's when we can open up. Yeah. And then I feel like you know uh, ah man he's just he's too up there, too high up there. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh you know f- funny you say that. I'm I'm getting ready to do a series on Sundays. It's going to be a little different than what we normally do. I'm going to call it I relate. Mm. And there's some specific uh 
situations that have happened to people um, that I want people that may not relate to it, that they'll hear from it. And I'm going to tie scriptures. I'm going to do it kind of sitting down. We're going to sit here. I'm bringing some people in. There's some mothers in this area. There's a lot of mothers that have uh, lost their children due to gang violence. And there's such an emptiness in their heart from that loss. And so to hear about loss from a different perspective on a Sunday morning, it's that. Um, And I think even now I want to deal with the depression. Now it's just finding those who are believers or those who may be known as believers who are honest enough to let's talk about what depression looked like from from their angle and how did they come out of it. So those types of things, I know we're going to do one talking to those that have been homeless Yes. Before uh-huh. we we have a member of our church that was homeless, uh, they didn't want nobody to know. They were living in their car. Um, you know, we offered help for them, uh, and God just turned their life around amazingly. You know what I'm saying? People would look at them now and wouldn't even know that they they were homeless. Um, so to hear that stuff, how can it relate to what's going on uh, in the audience? Because there's people in this audience who are going through some type of hell or suffering that we don't know. And there is a word from God directly for them. And they need to hear and understand that just because somebody's up here doesn't mean they haven't gone through anything. There is a word. There is a word for their specific situation. I relate. Is that the series? Series? It's going to be I relate. Yeah. It's going to be called I relate. Now you talked about the gang violence. We we talked a little bit before we got started here about our youth. Mm -hmm. How, How in the, in this uh, postmodern church, are we going to reach our youth, the, the, the millennials, as they're called, yes. you know, which is they're so inundated with information, mm-hmm. um, information at their fingertips. So there's not a knowledge, but, but there's a lot, lot of knowledge, but not a lot of, 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 of experience. And yeah. how do we reach the young people of today? Well, the first thing we have to know, the one that's teaching the youth has to understand that you really can't sway from the truth. Yes. In the foundation. There has to be a strategic way to deal with these youth, the youth of today, because it's not like before where, like, we were made to come to church. Yes, I was. You know, I was made, I was coming to church. Sick or not, I'm going to church. Sick or not, there was no basketball game, no nothing, you know. My kids are lucky. My son plays basketball. My daughter plays volleyball. Sometimes they'll miss. It was no missing in the Stewart house. <laughs> so uh, I think that now, now the church has to, the leaders have to find a way to be very relevant. Yes. To be, you know, into what's going on today in the world but not of the world. This, the message of hope and the message of light still exists and um, you have to be strategic. You have to do some things that's different. You got to get them in. And the church should be the safe haven. Now, some people will talk about uh, uh, churches that do extra things beyond what they call children's church. There's some churches that, you know, doing children's church, there's video games, there's basketball, there's athletic things that's going on. Those are the things I personally think they have to do uh, to get them in here, you know. Get them in here. Let them do. Let them play some video games. Let them watch movies. Let them feel comfortable. But but then there will be a op, there will be an opportunity for you to share that truth with them. Yes. And so we have to. Number one, the, the churches have to spend money uh, on resources that really reach the kids. That's why again I go to some churches. My kids, I'm like wow. When I when I go to Free Chapel, 
uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin, yes. uh, take my kids there, to sign them in there. And when they, they come out of there excited that they had a good time and they got a word, you know, and it's on, to get the word on their level. You have to start young, that's for sure. And we have to know that these kids, there's so many devices and things that they uh, kind of uh, attach to and so much information out there. But we have to give them the right information. Yes. We got to draw them. We got to draw them. We have, our programming has to be better. Uh, and as long as we keep the word, the word, you know, you can't change that. But everything around that is, you, you got to put detail, uh, resources, and efforts into making sure that goes over well. Well, on this big LED screen that we see here uh, behind us, we can probably do like a FIFA tournament, Madden you tournament. You could do all of that. You could do all of that here. We, we, but we're getting ready to do that uh, seriously downstairs uh, in our fellowship hall. Um, we're putting a big screen. We're going to have it with the video games yes. and have tournaments and things of that nature and have fun for them. Let them, because that's what they do. You know, mm -hmm. that's what kids do. They play video games. They uh, you know, things with the apps, they're on, into computers. So we, you know, we have to create an opportunity. The church, they need to feel that the church cares about them. Yes. Not that we want anything from them. You know, the church for so long, you know, made people think that they, you know, we just want your money, we want your money. Nah, you can do, you can do ministry without coming off that way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you do have to take the finances as a leader and put it into the ministry for some things that's going to, you know, help them and that's going to win them over so and then you use these things for you use like screens and stuff for various reasons one thing i'm getting ready to do uh in september we're doing a fall social justice series yes. film series okay in which we're going to just show some film uh because again some people at church and all they do is some just go to church and come home and they don't really understand what's going on with mass incarceration and, and and the things that how certain things were set up we need to understand it so we know as believers how you know the worst thing to do is say you got the truth but you don't have the truth in the, about what's going on in the streets and what's going on in our communities that's that's what i would call a jack leg preacher or pastor <laughs> you know you got to know what's going on so that you can be well versed to not, uh, enough to be able to deal with real life out there. So all of these things, I mean, I know I just went all over the place no, no, talking about the youth, but yeah, but you gotta understand what's going on. Our youth, they're getting arrested, uh, they're being shot uh, for reasons they, you know, some of those kids, all of those kids should have been home uh, with their families, but things happen and we have to understand how to deal with it. And in this area, we're close to it. Compton right here, yes. Watts right here. Yes. You know, we have to, you know, we have to make sure we're setting the stage for those people to come in. This is a safe haven. You may have some fun here, but you're going to learn about the love of Jesus right, right here. Amen. You know? Pastor Nissan Stewart, what is your spiritual gift? Ah, man, I don't know, bro. <laughs> um, I do believe that I have a gift with connecting with people. I can, I can connect with anybody yes. in, in terms of, what they're going through. And, you know, if they feel a certain way because I may be known or whatever, I could easily wipe that off, you know, to bring a, a settled conversation. Right. And when people can, it's really maybe my gift is communication because I can, I can really do that. And I take pride in being able to communicate with people um, no matter what it is. I, whether, whether you're stressed, whether you're a billionaire or living on the street I can I can communicate as broad in you know and as broad as you are I can communicate on that level so hey man that's what every every pastor needs 
needs that to be able yes. to, to, to communicate. Uh, so last year, I uh, was at the gig conference, which you probably remember, at uh, Bishop Noel Jones Church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yeah, on yeah. by uh, Gerald, Gerald and, and yeah, Tammy Gerald Hatton. Gerald and Tammy, yeah, yeah. So I met all of you. I met you, but you, you don't definitely don't remember, wow. remember me. But So I took a picture with uh, Gerald. Mm -hmm. uh, Teddy Campbell was there. Okay, Aaron Lindsay. But, yeah. And there's Nissan Stewart standing and I was so six six, so intimidated to even just say a word to him. But what what stuck out to me, and I was, uh, and I shared it with my team sometime after when I got back to my church. You guys were on a panel. I mean, Aaron Lindsay, accomplished you know composer for Israel Houghton, um, mm -hmm. Ger Gerald Haddon, who in his own right, T uh, Teddy Campbell. Uh, mm -hmm. All of you were on a panel, and people were asking, well, how do you know how do I break out in the uh, music industry? How do I get here? But Every single one of you spoke about humbleness and serving. And it blew my mind because that's not what the answer that I, I was expecting. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, that's a lot of people see, and again, with social media, you can see people, other musicians, you can see musicians on stage playing in front of thousands. And you can want that because, you know, you see that. Um, but those of us that come out of the church have a real huge responsibility. Now things are different. Guys get paid, you know, to play in ministry, and I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that that's quite all right. Uh, but me, I didn't have that opportunity. It was just about serving. I wanted to do it. I wanted, I wanted the ministry in my church that I was involved in to do well. And it wasn't in relation to any dollar amount that was given to me. And my personal prayer was to the, to the Lord, listen, if you take care of me on the other side, I'll take care of your business on this side. Amen. And that worked for me. And Teddy as well. Yes. Teddy as well. Me and Teddy even had a conversation the other day just talking about life, you know, because things are changing for us. You know, we're in ministry now, but we still work, we travel, but it's different. And I think that when you have a heart to serve, not just, you know, so these days are the days of the guys that, okay, we finished the last song, bing. All right, let me take my snare. Let me run over to the next church. Let me, and I played at two or three churches. I played at my church, and I got my little money. But that's not really, that's not really serving. Yes. Like, you know, you, you're offering your gift. I understand that. But, no, you have to be there. You have to understand that you are part of a ministry. And when you serve, you you know, it's not about the dollar amount. It's not about all of those things, you know, at some time, and, and now it's become that, and that's the spirit that is carried over with a lot of our musicians. Yes. And it's it's bad. Like, you know, uh, I, let me tell you a story. I went and, I went and spoke at somebody, someone's church anniversary. Um, we don't have church anniversary. I, I cut that out. We, we'll celebrate like every five years. Like okay. we're gonna celebrate in 2020 because we'll be 55. Yes. So we'll have a nice banquet or whatever. I went and preached for a, a, a church, um, and, and I blessed that church, left some money with the church, I left. They didn't give me anything, I wasn't looking for anything, you know, and I'm okay with that. Right. Sometimes it has to be that. And I shouldn't make them feel that, oh, I'm doing you all a favor right. to come over here. And that's kind of a thing that's happening in society today. I don't know the proper way we're, we're going to have to deal with it. At some point, we're going to have to deal with it. Um, I, one of the thing that one one thing I, I'm 
trying not to make this a PSA about what I'm doing. That, but, no, it's okay. But I'm I'm getting ready to do this thing called Poor Mondays. Yes. And it's P-O-U-R Mondays, and I'm going to try to get leaders, and we come and have roundtables, and we can just talk uh, and pour into one another. And some need to hear these things. You know, some have to know that their career may not go the way they want, want it to go because God is a God that will disrupt your plans oh, yeah. often. So, you know, you have to be okay with that. So uh, the, the ability to serve and to be humble through the process is the only thing that's going to help keep you sane because without, I mean, if it's not humility, it's arrogance. Yes. And then now when you're arrogant, if the, once the carpet is pulled out from you and you fall, you're not prepared to, for your head to be damaged. But if you stay humble, you can ride the waves. Yes. You know, you stay humble, you can, you know, if it goes up or down, you, 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 you're okay. Not that you won't have any challenges, but it's easier than to be arrogant. And now, you know, you feel like you're doing God a favor. We are not doing God no favor. God can take my voice today. Uh, if God, if, if forbid, you know, forbid I have action, I can't play the drums no more. All of that stuff can, you know, can change like that. But if you stay humble and you stay with a heart to serve, I believe God, God will honor you in ways that's immeasurable. Amen. You know, he'll honor you in ways. And I'm a witness to that. That is, you know, that is the story of my career in music. I always tried to take care of my church in every way. This is where I was connected to. And if it, if my father wasn't the pastor and I was a part of a ministry, I would want to be the same way. I want to love it because of what it gives back to the people. So when you have, just imagine if you have 50 people with that heart, Yes. how huge of a ministry you can have. Um, but the leader has to know how to deal with those other 49 and work together, you know. But if that spirit is right, you can go out and change. You can really, literally change the trajectory of your city, your community, and that's what it's about. So I would encourage, you know, musicians and those to get humble, be humble. And ministers, those uh, Preaching, aspiring yeah. to, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a witness to that, too. There was a, a point in my life where I, I was lost, didn't have a purpose, um, felt like um, I missed the call of God on my life, mm -hmm. and... Um, uh, pa uh, pa one of the pastors at my church at the time, uh, he's now a pastor in Houston, Pastor Omar Cortez, and I just began to share with him my heart. And, and he told me something very simple, very practical, that changed the trajectory of my life. And even to this day, I still tell him, thank you for that conversation. All he said was, whatever you do, just serve and serve with excellence. Uh -huh. If it's picking up the chairs, if it's cleaning the bathrooms, if it's picking up trash outside, if it's, you know, help helping the brothers, you know, clean, whatever it may be, serve. And it was like, it was confusing at first, but once I started to do it, it took the focus off of mm -hmm. me and how I was feeling. And it just began to open my mind to see the needs of others, yeah. to see their plight, their struggle. Mm -hmm. and, and then just God began to work on me through that. And then he would give me a word to give to them and then vice versa and it was just mind-blowing yeah. to the point where he began to open doors in my life you know uh, I, I serve in leading our our, our music team in, in our English ministry and uh, I get I get to preach and and I'm I'm doing this yeah and yeah. and I'm here sitting with Pastor Nissan Stewart so I am a witness of of just God rec seeing your heart and 
serving with all humility. Well, that or well, the scripture that says that whatever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, and not to man. That's the first thing. If you're doing it unto the Lord, it's a huge difference. But when you're doing it for the likes and to get calls by other people, and you're trying to build your brand, as it you know, as is being said, yes, I think you mess you 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 mess yourself up. You know, for for me, uh, you know, I, I I learned to if if you did it for man, you you'll never please man. Even in preaching, there's gonna be people that like what you say, people that's not gonna like what you say. Yes. They're not gonna like your style. They're not gonna, you know. And if I if, if I got caught up in all of that, I could see depression and anxiety getting at me real fast. But I do it as unto the Lord. So whatever I do, if it's moving, we're you know we're down here the other day just moving trash, and I'm doing it as unto the Lord because we want excellence in His house. Amen. You know, He wants excellence from us and how how we approach ministry. But he wants excellence in everything. He wants excellence from from these guys, the musicians. You know, he wants excellence from deacons, excellence from ushers, everybody. So whatever we do, and that's what you, we have to get our teams on. Do it as unto the Lord, and not as unto unto man. That's and the preacher plays a huge part in that, because if a pa- I mean a pastor, because if a pastor is trying to get everybody to do things as unto him, he's messing up the whole thing, and he'll always have people in and out. Oh. You know what I'm saying? He'll always have people in and out, and he'll think they're the, they're the problem, they're the problem. No, but all, or she or whoever. But really, it's 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 that person in that position. Yes. Even what we do, we have to do it as unto the Lord and treat our people that work with us as as Christ would if He was here. Yeah. You know how we talk to people. Uh, you know how we honor people. Just everything. You know. We're going to be uh, wrapping up uh, soon here, but I have just a few more questions. And uh, Pastor Stewart, who has been, uh, besides your father, who has been one of the most influential voices in your life and why? Uh, Okay, the first um, is uh, directly, I'll speak directly and I'll speak indirectly. The first directly was uh, my good friend, Pastor Clinton House in Las Vegas. Okay. Um, when I first got into the ministry, um, and I, before I got into to the pastorate, I witnessed his spirit of excellence in everything he did, and I felt, I know I felt the Holy Spirit uh, tell me, you got to go, go see that man. So myself and my head deacon, we drove up to Vegas to his church, and we spent the day with him and just talked with him, and he's been such an inspiration. Um, Bishop Noah Jones is absolutely an inspiration, mm-hmm. um, and that's directly, indirectly, it's Bishop T.D. Jakes, because I, I connected with his Project Gideon organization, yes. which was for pastors 40 and under, and that, the reason why we're even able, we're here where we're at is because of that. Um, it was some life-changing information and teaching that came for me, to me as a young pastor from him. So, you know, I, those are the voices that the people that I really connect to. Bishop Jones, I can call him and talk anything scripture. Even if it's in relation to just finances and ministry, I could talk to him. Same thing with Bishop House. Um, it's those guys. If I need to talk family, it's those guys because those are two uh, broad experiences. 
Um, and they're all helpful. So those those two, I would say, are my number one and my number one. I'm not going to say one and two. <laughs> one and number one right. and number one. So. Yeah, Bishop Jones, he's uh, I, I told Edwin, he's on my Mount Rushmore of preachers. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he indirectly, he's been an a influential uh, voice in my life. And my final question for you, Pastor, um, what do you think your father would be most proud of and how you have led the church that he has founded years ago? Well, knowing my dad, somebody else asked me that. Knowing my dad, he'd be, he would be glad that I paid the building off <laughs> because that was his thing. His thing was like, you know, we, let's own it. You know, he's business, you know, he's into interest rates and yes. all, all that. His thing was, you know, if, coming from where he came from, that's just was very important. Um, but I think he would be proud because and be happy because not only do we have our membership here intact, in um, just even the new people that come and connect to this ministry. And some connect because of him, because they heard about him. Wow. And so they, they knew somebody that knew somebody, and they came. And so they come. So I think that's uh, it's that. I think he would be proud of some very practical things. He's, you know, my dad was a man of cleanliness, period. Yes. He didn't like one thing out of place. So us, you know, working to do that while we're going through this remodel that we're doing with the whole property, he would definitely, he would definitely be cool with that. But I think he would be glad that I'm just still doing it, you know, because I know he, even he said, sometimes I wanted to quit, but I couldn't quit because the calling was better than quitting. Amen. So the fact that I'm still doing it, even though it's only, you know, six and a half years as a pastor, um, you know, we're just holding on, riding the wheel until. Well, j just being in the uh, brief moments in the office, I, I can tell that the uh, the members they love you just as as much as they loved your 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 father, and um, they they respect you, and you can see your fruits here in this what you're doing here. You're you're sowing into people, and and this is just the start of something even even greater. Amen. And and I, I just want to say thank you for. Um, accepting the invitation to be on the Preacher's Corner podcast. I'd love to do it th this again sometime. Oh, yeah. And I'm in. Listen, I'm in. What you're doing is amazing. I think I think this is needed um, not only for preachers to share their story, but, again, you know, even opportunities to hear personal, uh, even more in-depth stories so that we can understand that we're not alone in what we do. Um, so I commend you, Abraham, on just what you're doing. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm part of the preacher's corner for life. So, Amen. You and I, I, am, I, I dabble in it. I dabble in preaching, and, and God just begin to work in my heart. And I, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I need to do this. Yes. Um, it, it, it's a platform for the, the people need to hear the, the plight, the struggle. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect preacher. No matter how famous you get, no matter how high you go, mm -hmm. we all have struggles, just like the common man. We're, we are a common, a common That's man. Right. That's right. And I just want to thank you for, for uh, coming on. And I would love to have Warren, uh, Warren Campbell, Teddy, all of them. Done deal. You let me know. Listen, you want to do something special, we get all three of us to come sit down one time with you. Let's, let's, that would be funny, hilarious, but it would be very informative. Let's do it. I'll just sit back and watch you all uh, watch you all talk. And um, I, I, I'm blessed by your ministry. Thank you, man. Um, I'm going to. I'm gonna come up to your church one of these days. Just to, you, you're not gonna see me be anonymous in the back somewhere, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna on, hear, man. I'm gonna hear, come and hear a, a word from Pastor Nissan Stewart. And I invite everybody. If you're in the LA area, come to Greater Emmanuel Temple. Find it online. Uh, the direct the address, unless you, you, Thir you, yeah, the address is 3740 East Imperial Highway, 
and that's in the city of Linwood, right off the 710 freeway, where the 710 and the 105 meet. And you can get um, the, their Instagram page. It's uh, Get Family Now, so G E T Family Now. And also, you, if you want, you can follow uh, Nissan Stewart. It's yep. one S, not two. That's uh, right. Nissan that's Stewart right. on Instagram, Facebook, and and Twitter. Yes. Sir. And would would you bless the people as we uh, wrap up today? Absolutely, Heavenly Father. We're just grateful for this day and the opportunity to conversate and to share. Uh, amongst brothers concerning your things and this life that you've allowed us to live. God, I thank you for what Abraham is doing with the Preacher's Corner. God, we pray that you give him all the resources and all of the connections that he should have so that this can be something that reaches the masses that need to hear it. Father, we ask that you bless every preacher out there that may hear the sounds of our voices. I'm praying, God, that you would touch them and touch their mind, uh, give them strength and peace as they handle your will as they handle your gospel your ministry father we ask that you bless them and their families father we ask that you remember those that are out there that are lost god help us amen by giving us the right words to say and the actions that we must walk in so that we can reach the loss those that are out there in this world father i pray that you will bless uh those pastors with the necessary resources god but also give them the wisdom and the guidance needed to do ministry, that they'll be successful in these times, God. Most importantly, we just thank you for an opportunity for all of us to be saved that you have given us, God. And we thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Father, we thank you for giving us life and life more abundantly. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.